Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Welcome to Summit Church. How are we doing this weekend, everybody? It's great to see you. My name is Mel Massingale. I'm one of the pastors here at Summit Church, and I am so grateful that you're worshiping with us this weekend. Uh, thank you for joining us. And I am Kim Massingale. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, please make yourself at home. Especially want to welcome, I know we have a number of our IUP students back today. Uh, great to have you guys. If you're new, thank you. Make yourself at home. We'd love to connect with you, get to know you a little better. Also want to welcome all of you that are watching from our Blairsville location. We love Summit Blairsville. We love the Blairsville community. And can we give them a round of applause this morning? We love you guys. And then finally, all of you that are watching online, no matter where you may be or how you may be joining us, we're so grateful that you've chosen to worship with us today. We really do appreciate it, so thank you so much. Uh, Before we jump into our our, uh, talk for the weekend, uh, I want to give you just a little bit of sad news before we get started. And you may have heard, but this last Wednesday night uh, in Summit Youth, we announced that Pastor Ricky is transitioning off of our team, and he is going to be accepting a position at a church in the Chicago area. And uh, he's going to be doing youth ministry out there. And we are very sad for them to go, but we're excited for what God has for them. And they have um, made such a difference to this community and to our church specifically. And I'm grateful for them. And uh, really all you can ask for any of our team is that they leave uh, this church better than what they found it. And he truly has done that. He has left us. I should have stopped talking earlier. I wouldn't have cried. Uh, But... He has left us better than he found us, and, uh, and I'm excited for what God's got for these guys. Uh, just so you know, as far as timeline goes, uh, Pastor Ricky's last Wednesday night with us will be Wednesday, September the 8th. So if you've got students in the, the youth ministry, make sure they're here over the next few weeks, um, and especially the 8th. We want to make them... Uh, We want to send them off very well that night. And then their last weekend with us will be September 4th and 5th. That's um, Labor Day weekend. And so if you're going to be in town, make sure you're here. You want to bless them. We'll we'll bring them up and pray for them and commission them. But but between now and then, if you want to bless them or write them a note or give them a card or a gift card or write them a check just to bless them, whatever God lays on your heart, uh, starting next weekend, we'll have a gift basket out in the... uh, a basket out in the lobby in the info center. So if you've got something for them and you'd like to drop it off, please feel free. We want to let these guys know how much we appreciate them before they're gone. So guys, we love you. We appreciate you, Ricky. So what are we talking about today? Marriage. Love and marriage. That's right. Yeah, marriage and dating. Um, Because... And we'll lump those two together because there's a lot of overlap between the two. Uh, And a lot of people do end up getting married. And so it's important, even if you're not currently married, that you there's a good chance you will be someday and we want to help. And just so you know, next weekend, we're going to be talking about what it means to be single. Uh, Whether you are uh, divorced or widowed or maybe you're just a single person. And what does the Bible say about that? And um, and. So we'll be talking about that next week. I'd love for you to be here next week, whether you are married or single or what. I think it'll be helpful for you. Um, I believe that there are a lot of lies that our culture uh, says are truths 
that have bled themselves into the church in many ways. And I just wanna share a couple of these thoughts with you. Uh, the first is, I, I believe one of the lies that has come into the church is that marriage is an old social custom. It was created by humans. And I hear, I've heard this more than once. It's just a piece of paper. Like, why do I need to get married? Why can't I just live with my, my significant other? It's just a piece of paper. And that, um, that undermines what scripture says about marriage. It undermines the authority of marriage, the value of marriage. Uh, and it is not just a piece of paper. Uh, it is so much more significant than that when we're in covenant with. Um, what about the next one? If I choose the right mate, I won't have any problems. False. <laughs> the, judging from the snickers in the room, people are like. <laughs> it does help. It doesn't hurt anything. The That's right, right one. But the fact is, is you're still human, and the other person is still human, and so there are going to be problems. There will be absolutely. Yeah. Uh, choosing to be single will avert relationship problems. That's wrong because just like Kim said, you're going to have other humans in your life and you might not have marriage problems, but you are still going to have relationship problems. Yeah. My marriage or my spouse should make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, what Hollywood tells us, mm -hmm. what my beloved Hallmark channel tells yeah. me. <laughs> but it's also false because only God is capable of giving us joy and um, he he brings other people into our life and relationships to mm -hmm. to bring happiness and joy but um jerry mcguire for those of you who are old enough to have watched that film he lied to you when he said the statement to renee zellweger i complete nope. you complete me there it is yeah this is why i don't quote movie lines um yeah. but the fact is we can't complete each other yeah, and I think one of the problems is whenever uh, we put the wrong expectations on people, whether it's in the workplace and it's like, oh, well, I had an expectation that you were going to do this, but you didn't do that. Well, you never communicated that. And, um, but it's true in marriage, too. I think sometimes we go into it with unhealthy expectations and we go, oh, hey, my, my wife is going to bring me joy and happiness and all these things. And that's not something you were ever meant to do or I was ever meant to do. That, that's the responsibility of God. And so no one's going to meet that expectation. They're all going to disappoint you um, if that's the case. And then the last one is um, divorce is sometimes the only option. And again, I think even in church, we tend to believe this sometimes. Um, and there are biblical grounds for divorce. And we'll talk about that a little more in a little bit. But, um, but biblical grounds for divorce aren't I'm unhappy Biblical grounds for divorce aren't, I don't feel that my spouse is affectionate enough. Um, and what, we, what we, we'll see in a minute is that marriage should be viewed as something much more holy than a contractual agreement between two people. Um, and, and so I, I want to say this, if you, uh, if you have been through a divorce, uh, there is no condemnation here. There is grace and there is love and we care about you and we care about your soul and we want you to be happy. Um, but we have adopted this lie in the church many times that, uh, that divorce is the only way, and it's just not. Right. I mean, statistics show that divorce rates are just as high within um, church communities as they are outside of. And so that just that says something, you know, that, it's, um, that really our hearts aren't totally surrendered to God. Yeah. 
So, and that, well, and I think a lot of this comes back to I, you know I talked about expectations. Um, you know how do we how do we view uh, how do men view women? Uh, I think that plays a big part in healthy marriages, and and I think historically in church too. And so we'll start in Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen, and this is the creation story. In chapter two, God has created all of creation, and then he comes to this point in verse 18, and he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And so he's created everything, and there's still this void in creation. It's, it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll make a helper who's just right for him. I'll, I'll, other translations, the King James, I think, says a helpmate or a helpmeet. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, helpmeet just sounds weird. It does. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, early on, I, I didn't really understand really what God meant by this. Uh-huh. And I've heard it misused and abused um, in different settings. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a strong woman. I think for You can myself, look like 100 pounds. Oh. Yeah, no. No, I'm sorry. You meant emotionally. Strength not and, in that yeah, way. Yeah. I'm opinionated. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, man, early on in our marriage, uh, you were like, you're a godly man. You were a godly boyfriend. And, and, um, but when we got married, I, anytime you would try to lead me, um, not in a dominating way, but just try to lead me in any type of way, I would kind of buck up against it. And I didn't really know why, because like you were godly, you were good to me, you, were, you loved me well. And um, I really had to dig deep because I, for one, misunderstood the scripture. Um, but also, I kind of like early on kind of made a vow without really knowing it. We call them inner vows. But I just made a statement in my heart that I wouldn't ever let a man really tell me what to do. Um, just because of past relationships and and different things um, that I had experienced growing up. And so I realized, like, man, why am I reacting to Mel this way? Um, and I realized I was putting my that inner vow on you. And so I really had to surrender that to the Lord and discover what helper means. And so once... Um, once I discovered that, it totally took a new turn. And so I'll let you explain what it actually means. Yeah, sometimes when we look at this, this phrase, helper, we tend to think it means like an assistant. Um, and we go, oh, hey, um, you are lovely and you are talented and you're gifted, but you're just going to be, you were made to be his assistant. And it's like, wait, what? That's, that's all there is? And it's like, yeah. And so a lot of times that's what we think the role of a female should be in marriage. Um, but when we look at it in context, there's a couple of things. This word, if, if you call it suitable helper, just to make it a little smoother, uh, the, the Hebrew would be Azer Kanedo. And um, this word Azer is the one we have for helper. And the word Azer is used throughout the Old Testament. Um, we see it especially in the book of Psalms when the psalmist calls God his helper. So he says, God is my help, or God is my helper. Um, and he's not saying God is my assistant. Like, he's not being condescending toward God and going, God, I got this, but you can be my helper. It's this picture kind of akin to, uh, like, if my girls wanted to help me with something around the house, 
but I, they were just gonna get in the way. I'd go, you wanna be dad's helper? Here, hold this hammer for me. It's a very important job. And that's sometimes, I think, how we paint the picture of a spouse, of a wife. And we go, oh, here's your job. I'm gonna do the heavy lifting, and your job is just to do this and this and this. You're gonna be my assistant. But when we look at it and go, no, 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 this word does not just mean helper. Um, there was some confusion in, in the English language. We've got homonyms, and homonyms are words that are spelled the same way and pronounced the same way that have different meanings. It's like fast. So if I said, um, I'm going to fast lunch today, that's got a different meaning than if I said, Kim's gonna drive away from our church fast. And I use that wrong. English teachers, I'm sorry. It would be fastly, we know that. Uh, I'm just kidding again. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but she drives fast. That's different than I fast a meal, right? But it looks the same. And, and so a thousand years from now, they might have some confusion over the language. You gotta look at it in context. And so that's the same way with this word azer. About 1500 BC, it became a homonym. And and so it's easy to go, oh, hey, this is what it means, but really it's got a broader definition than that. And uh, when you combine it with the term suitable here, uh, Canedo, um, a really a better word might be comparable. And so I believe the original intent was to say, hey, I'm gonna have a comparable strength to the man. It is not gonna be someone who is subservient and just, uh, just a helper, just an assistant. Uh, it's gonna be somebody who is a comparable strength for the man, and they're gonna, they're gonna uh, complement each, each other in different ways. They're gonna have different strengths and weaknesses, um, but not less than at all. And so I think when we understand that, that ladies, you're not just an assistant, you're not just a helper, uh, you are a comparable strength. Um, and it's interesting, because this word, azer, is also used in the context of, um, of saving, rescuing. And so it would not be, uh, extra biblical to say that women in a lot of ways are, uh, are a savior uh, to men. They, they do. They come alongside. They're not just assisting, but they're rescuing in a lot of ways. I think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> I might no. be biased, but. <laughs> no, but it is such a beautiful picture of what marriage really should be. Like a couple working in tandem with yeah. each other, a couple um, submitted to one another, a couple that brings their strengths and their weaknesses into the picture, and, and it makes up this beautiful relationship yeah. um, that we get to help one another, and I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we see Adam's response to the creation of Eve in Genesis 2.23, and this is what he says. He says, at last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. And I love this because what we saw is... Um, there was nothing in creation that was suitable as a companion for man. God, he, he surveyed creation and said, nothing is good enough. I'm gonna create something that's good enough. Um, and he, he creates woman out of the man, literally took a rib out of him and created woman. And his response is an indication, not just because we think of marriage and a lot of times we think about physical intimacy, but he was lacking emotional and intellectual and all these intimacies that, that, um, that we skip over. He, he realized, I'm missing these things. And this is, I mean, this is kind of bonus coverage. And we've talked about this a little before. In the Bible, it, when it talks about physical intimacy between a man and a woman, it, it will use a word that we translate as know. So they knew each other. And uh, the interesting thing is, in our culture, we flipped everything upside down, where it's not uncommon 
for you to hook up with somebody on a first date or the second date or early on, or maybe it's not a date at all, but you still have physical intimacy. But if, if we do it the biblical way, um, in Hebrew culture, they knew each other intimately. They knew each other intellectually and spiritually and relationally and emotionally. Then the last thing that happened was they, were, they knew each other physically. Yeah. They knew physical intimacy. And at that point, that was like the bow on top that God was like, now you know each other completely. But, but that's not the way we do it today. And so we flip everything upside down. And so when Adam says this, he's like, man, I get the good stuff, and the good stuff is I get to know someone, and I get to share my life with someone, and I get to be in relationship with someone. Um, and so that's, I love this part because that's, that's how he responds. Yeah. Well, and then it goes on to say in verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Um, so there, there's this old term, which is in another translation of the scripture, leave and cleave, like a man is supposed to leave his mother and father and cleave, cling to his wife. Yeah. And um, and so often we see um, maybe parents uh, having a hard time releasing control, releasing their children into the marriage that they're now in, or vice versa where the kids... Um, the adult children are having a hard time letting go of their mom and dad's mm-hmm. opinion. And, yeah. um, and it, it's good to get wise counsel from your family. However, um, to insert them into every situation or especially to take um, unsolicited, <laughs> constant advice from them um, isn't the healthiest thing, um, only because it can cause a lot of conflict in marriage. Mel Absolutely. and I have been blessed with great in-laws um, who we have gained a a lot of wisdom from who haven't inserted themselves into our marriage, but we've certainly sought out when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that we see really often is parents getting overly involved in um, marriages that they really need to stay out of because it's causing more issues. And also, um, kids venting to their parents too much about right. their spouse. And then it's really hard for a, par- uh, for a parent to not side with their kid, right? Um, to not take, and so then they have a biased view against the in-law, and that can become really unhealthy. And so... Yeah, yeah and let me say this. I'll say this very directly, and I'll say this as lovingly as I possibly can. If you're in a marriage relationship and you gripe to your family about your spouse... You're in sin. It, it's dishonoring to your spouse. It's dishonoring to God. Because um, it does. It causes this schism in your family. And it makes it real hard for your family to love your spouse if all they know is the garbage that your spouse says or does. So that's where you have to take one for the team and go, you know what? This is painful, but I'm going to cover this instead of exposing this. That's what we talked about a little last week. And uh, you need to repent to your spouse if you've been doing that. And I know that's really hard, that stinks, and that's not what you wanted to hear today, but it's true. Um, yeah, and I, and I will say, though, that, um, that, I mean, we both have had siblings who have been in abusive yeah. uh, marriages and relationships, and they did not tell anyone. Yeah. So in the case that you are being harmed or you are in an unhealthy um, situation where, where um 
you could potentially be harmed. Like certainly Absolutely. talk to your family, certainly right. get help. Um, but we also say like, if you are having issues in your marriage, talk to godly counsel, talk to someone outside of your family that can give you wisdom, that can um, give you counsel that is, will have an unbiased opinion and talk to people who will point you in the right direction and who will point you to Jesus. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the parents who are meddling and part of that comes from just parents not understanding different seasons of life with their kids. Um, and we talked about that a little last week, just seasons in relationships. And, um, you know, this makes me feel really old. We've got a bunch of our IUP students here, and we love our IUP students. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, we dropped our daughter off for college in Florida. And so, that yes, that means I'm old enough to be a lot of your dad, which makes me feel old. But, um, but... Our relationship has changed, and in counseling, um, I've heard it referred to as the three C's of uh, uh, phases of a parent's life with their child, and the first C is like your commander or a captain, and you're telling your kids what to do, that you're giving them instruction, and they're going to follow the instruction, and that's the way it has to be, uh, and that might be until they're 12-ish, roughly, and then after that, there's a new phase they go into and the season changes and you become more of a coach and you're giving direction, but they're, they've got some wiggle room, they've got some flexibility, they've got some autonomy. Um, so that looks a little different. And then the last season is a counselor and that might be when they go to college, 18, 19, something like that, um, where now you're not telling them what to do, you're giving them feedback. And usually it's solicited feedback. You're not just telling them. Um, but sometimes parents not being able to identify those different seasons for their own life uh, causes them to interfere because they feel like, no, you're my child. You have to do what I say. And I'm, I'm 28 years old. And it's like, yeah, I know, but you're still my child. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. So it's important for us to understand, you know, have good expectations again for not just our spouse, but for our in-laws and for our parents as well. Yeah, it's just really developing healthy boundaries for sure to protect your marriage. Now, if you're in a dating relationship and you're a teenager and um, yeah. your parents have the right to speak into your That's relationships. Right. That's right. Let's say um, We're not talking about that. Yeah, we're let's say you're marriage. a teenager and your mom and dad are pastors at a church and you want to date a boy and your dad's not a crazy about it. You can't date the boy. Your dad has the final word. <laughs> Hypothetically, hypothetically, I'm just Everyone's throwing it out there. Terrified to date our children. <laughs> I know. Our, <laughs> girls, our girls have told us nobody, no boys want to date me because of you. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> they'll, they'll get married someday. I'll pick him. It'll be fine. It'll be good. Uh, let's jump into the next passage. Do you want to read this or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll read it. It's Ephesians 5, 21 through 26, and it says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So... Again, another scripture that has been really misused in a lot of different scenarios. Uh, Mel will jokingly say to me, and it is joking, woman, joking. submit. <laughs> woman, where's my dinner? Totally kidding. Because <laughs> I'm still alive. That's the evidence that I'm kidding. <laughs> she hasn't murdered me in my sleep, so... 
but again, I didn't really understand the context of what submission looks like for a wife um, in, in the scripture. And one thing that I have learned about this is it's about respect. It's about honor. It's about um, honoring him and who he is as my husband. Um, and it says, as the church submits to Christ. So here's the thing. Christ doesn't like twist our arm and force us to submit, does he? No, he doesn't. He, we willingly submit to him. We willingly honor him and respect him. Um, and so that's the same context that this is saying, to, to willingly submit, not in a, uh, I have to sort of way, but in a, I want to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also, I heard it explained once, and, and I really believe this to be true and have seen it played out in our marriage, that it's really about being on a sub mission with your spouse, that we are on mission together, we're doing life together, we're making decisions together, um, we're following Jesus together, but at the end of the day, I, I will, um, you know, I will respect how you lead our family, and I will honor the decisions you make, um, but this hasn't always been easy for me, mm-hmm. and, um, and there was a time about 13 years ago that you had lost your job, um, working for uh, a scouting recruiting, recruiting company, agency, yep. and we were church planting, and um, it was 2008 during the housing crisis, so there was a lot of a lot of pressure financially, and I was in freakout mode. I really was, and Mel was offered two different jobs um, at different churches, and one was going to be delayed for a little bit. We had to wait for the other one was available immediately, and. I wanted him to take the one that was available immediately because it made sense. Um, and I was the one paying, paying the bills every day and getting the calls from the bill collector. And, and I was super stressed out. And so I really was like upset with him that he wouldn't just take the job that was available immediately. Well, when you're in ministry, for certain, your life is not your own. And so, and you don't just take any church that comes by. You take the church that God wants you to take. Otherwise, it'll be miserable. Yeah. And so... Um, Um, so I remember leaving our house and just so upset with him. And I had a godly friend. I I knew I needed to call her. I knew I needed to be honest with her about where my heart was at. And, um, and I called her and she said, Kim, turn around and go tell Mel you trust him, that you trust him to make this decision. And not that you don't hear from God, but I don't, I don't think you're even praying about it right now, Kim. You're just in freak out mode. And, um, and so I turned around and I went home and you were doing dishes and, um, cause I was trying, I knew she was mad. I was like, I gotta do something. <laughs> Scrubbing these dishes, baby. <laughs> and I just looked at you and I said, I trust you. And he like literally collapsed on the floor, like sobbing, um, because he needed to hear that, I could trust his decision-making ability. Yep. And, and one thing she told me was, even if he makes the wrong decision, respect him in this. Just trust him in this. And, and it ended up being the right decision for us. Yep. Um, the other decision would have been the wrong decision. But, um, but that's, that's what submission has looked like in, in our marriage. Well, and I would say, um, you know, the context of this verse, it, it comes right from this passage where Paul's telling the Ephesians how to get along with each other in church. And so he's saying, here's how you get along as a congregation. You submit to each other. 
You, you lower yourself. You don't demand to have your way. And then he transitions that. And so the, it's this idea, I think sometimes out of context, we go, well, wives submit. And then the next passage talks about men loving sacrificially. And that's what you do. It's like, well, no, not really. We all submit. We all have to be in submission to each other. We all have to lower ourselves and make sure our hearts are humble and make sure we honor well and we respect well. Um, but especially in the context of marriage, and, and I don't know if this is, I don't know if I would stand a, a, a thousand percent behind this statement, something I've been thinking about lately. I really do believe if a woman can't respect her husband, she can't really love her husband the way God wants her to. Um, and, and, and really, I think if you asked most men, would you rather your wife love you or respect you? He, they would probably say respect. Um, because men want that. We long to be respected among our peers. Uh, that's why men can be such a workaholics and do the things they do because we, we long for that. We, we yearn for that. And, and so it's one thing um, for a wife to say she loves her husband, but in the culture we live in, in, in pop culture especially, there are very, very few examples in pop culture of men who are respected in their families. There's a lot of men in, in shows that are on TV, men that are failures and dunces and the butt of the jokes, and, and there's this longing in us to be respected. And that's why I think Paul gets to this. He just says, hey, here's what it should look like. Um, and it doesn't stop there, though, because it says, yes, you should mutually submit to each other. So there's things I submit to you on that I go, hey, I'm the, I'm the leader of our home, and I understand that, but I don't, I don't need to have the final say on everything. So I trust you. I submit to you. If you have an opinion, good, let's do that. And, and I think that's a healthy balance. Yeah, and that's, that's the part that's so fun to work as a team together to be able to to do that because we both hear from God. Yeah. And um, as long as we're surrendered to God, yeah. You know, it works well. Yeah, so then, you read yeah the next portion is the whammy on the guys. Uh, and it says, <laughs> verse 25, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Now, he expounds on that a little bit, and we don't have time to get into all of it. Um, but basically, he says, love your wife sacrificially. And the standard for sacrificial love for a man with his wife is Christ. And the way Christ loved the church. And if you're new to church, Christ died for the church. Um, and, and this is what Paul says our standard is. Now, it's easy in relationships, whether you're in a dating relationship or a, a marriage, to look at the people around you and compare yourself and go, dude, I'm way better than that guy. And oh my gosh, did you see what that guy did to his girlfriend? I would never do that. I'm an excellent boyfriend. It's like, no, you're measuring yourself against the wrong standard. Um, when Kim had a, she had a counseling practice in Oklahoma before we moved here, and uh, she worked with marriage and family primarily, and she was counseling people who were in really difficult marriages, um, abuse, um, you know, pornography addictions, different things. And I never heard details. I never knew specifics because of HEPA, but she would come home just exhausted after a long day, and she would look at me, and she would just go, I'm so grateful for you. And I'd be like, that's right, you are. Don't you forget it, right? And I'd feel pretty good about myself because she was comparing me in that moment to these guys that were abusive or these guys that were, uh, you know, adulterous or whatever it was. Um, and I could feel good and go, well, I'm a good husband, but that's the wrong standard. If I measure myself against the standard of Christ and how he loved the church, that's where it goes, ooh, maybe I'm not doing as well as I thought. Because the standard is, am I loving you sacrificially? Am I laying down 
what I want for what you want? And, you know, am I willing to do that? And it's easy to say, yeah, I love my wife, but you're never going to give her the remote control to watch what she wants to watch. Or I love my wife, but if I'm driving, we're going to listen to sports talk the entire time. Um, and those are little things, but at the end of the day, it really does come back to our hearts and the position of our heart. Am I willing to sacrifice for my spouse? Yeah. Well, and when I think of this, I, I, um, I picture your dad because he loved your mom like really well. And, um, I wasn't going to get teary eyed enough. I know, but (laughs) I, like his face just popped into my head and, and I believe that like, Dads, that's why your role is so important because your your boys are watching you. Absolutely. You know, if you have sons, that your daughters are watching how you love your wife. Um, and it's never too late to correct. Yeah. It's never too late. And um, and so if they see you loving your wife as Christ loved the church, they're going to be likely to do the same. Or your daughters are going to long to have that. Like yeah. They're not going to want anything less than to be treated like their dad treats their mom. Um, and it, yeah. again, it's never too late to, to show that and to do that and to make those corrections no matter how long you've been married. But Well, but we, I mean, the big idea, I'm going to give away the ending. Then You're not supposed to do that. But the big idea is this, Christ should be first in your life, yeah. right? We, if you've been at Summit enough to hear that, Christ should be the primary affection of your life. Your secondary affection under that is your spouse, um, below that somewhere are your kids and then your parents are down the line. And, and some people think that's unhealthy uh, for me to love you more supremely than my kids. Well, it's going to create something, I don't know, and I want them to know that I love them, their most important thing. No, 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 no. The best thing I can do for my kids is for them to see me love their mom really, really well. Is for me to, to say, hey, our marriage is so secure, no matter what happens, we're in covenant together. It creates this safety net for our girls. It creates a culture of safety that they understand, hey, um, no matter what's going on in the world, I know I can count on this. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is where, this is where relationships get jacked up is because we disorder our affections and we start, we start wanting what we want and God's not first and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when we understand, man, my wife takes priority over my parents. I love my mama. My mom's probably watching the service right now. Mama, I love you. <laughs> but I love Kim more. She's my wife. Um, I love my girls, but I love Kim more. I love this church, but I love Kim more. Um, and that's the way it's got to be in order to create this, the culture that God wants to create in our homes. Yeah. Well, and you, you said it last week. I kind of reworded the statement for today, but it it's a healthy marriage or dating relationship does not mean perfect. Yeah. It means a marriage or relationship that is submitted to God because yeah. um, it can't be perfect because humans are involved and we will never be perfect. This is always something that we will be working on, and, and, but we can't even work on it um, unless our lives are submitted to God. <laughs> well, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Last night, I said something stupid to my wife. I made a joke, and it was, I thought it was hilarious. But it hurt her feelings, and it was thoughtless, and it was stupid, and I shouldn't have done it, and I had to apologize. And I was like, 
Of course, we just preached a message, right, on what healthy relationships look like, and we've got two more tomorrow, and I'm being an idiot with my wife. Like, I'm sitting cracking a stupid joke that I shouldn't have cracked. And it's like, there is going to be an ebb and flow. It is not always linear, and it's not always perfect. Uh, but the point isn't that it's perfect. The point that it's submitted to God, that you go, okay, I was stupid, and I said this I shouldn't have. I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't treat you with the honor that you deserved in that moment. Would you forgive me? Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to be part of marriage, unfortunately. Yeah, a book that we highly recommend that that we read early on in marriage and led some groups on is called Love and Respect by Emerson Egricks. But it's it's based on this passage, and, and basically he talks about this crazy cycle that we get into in marriages where if a wife isn't respecting her husband, then, then he's not going to love her like Christ loved the church. And if she's not feeling loved, then she's not going to respect him. And it's just this cycle that we get into. Yeah. And um, if you have a Right Now Media subscription too, there's videos on there. I believe it's called The Crazy Cycle on there. Um, but it's just so true. And, um, and I know there's probably people in the room that maybe you are the Christ follower and your spouse does not follow Jesus. And um, so what, what would you say to them in regards to this passage? Um. <clears throat> I mean, Scripture's pretty clear. If you are married to an unbeliever, uh, that's not an ideal situation. But um, our job is not to preach to them, uh, to, to rehash everything that Mel said from stage, um, you know, to, to you know, manipulate them to go to church with you. The most important thing you can do is continue to pursue Christ and to love and honor them the best way you can. And it's one thing for somebody to be ambivalent about the gospel, and it's another thing for somebody to be combative toward the gospel. And if somebody is hateful toward your affection for Christ, that's really, really hard. Uh, it's hard enough when you're, you're married to an unbeliever, but if you're married to somebody who is opposed to the gospel and opposed to the work of Christ, it makes it really tough. And so it's not easy, but the best thing you can do is love them really well. Don't try to, to force feed them the gospel, um, but let the gospel be lived out in your life. Usually I'm the person who says, hey, um, preach the gospel with your mouth. Tell people about what God has done in your life. And they will also see it in your actions. This is one of those moments where it's maybe better to, to let the gospel be preached through your life, through your love, through your kindness, through your service, and how you honor and, and you know, bless your, your spouse. Uh, that's probably the way I would handle that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me read this last passage. This is from um, Ephesians 5, toward the tail end. Paul kind of wraps up his, his, this idea to the Ephesians. And he says, the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And he says, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So what he says is this, uh, this picture of a godly marriage, it illustrates to us the relationship between the church and Christ. Um, and so if we understand what a healthy marriage looks like, we understand better what a healthy relationship with God looks like, what the church and Jesus, what that relationship looks like. And, and the same is true. If we understand that, we understand marriage better. Um, and so let, let's look at it this way. If, um, if you've got two broken people who come together in marriage, unfortunately, the vows that we take in marriage are not always accurate um, because the vows are not reflective of covenant. The vows, a lot of times, what we're saying in our heart are like, I'm committed to you as long as you are good to me. I'm committed to you as long as you are attractive. I'm committed to you as long as, you know, whatever it is. It is highly conditional, a lot of marriages in Western culture. 
Um, but that is not the picture of Christ in the church. The picture of Christ in the church is Christ comes to broken, flawed, messed up people, and he says, I'm laying down my life for you. I'm in covenant with you. Even if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain. I'm gonna lay down my life for you, even people who reject me. I'm still laying down my life. My blood is going to be shed, even for people who reject me. Um, So it's not based on what you did. It's not based on what you will do. I love you. I'm loving you sacrificially. So this is covenant, and this is what marriage should look like. Marriage should look like two broken, flawed, jacked up people coming together and saying, I I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you will do. I'm in covenant with you for life, forever, period. Um, And when we approach marriage that way, and we understand what Christ has done for us, and that's the picture of what marriage should look like, it it heightens the value of marriage because it's reflective of God's love for us and Christ's affection for us, but it also is a picture for what what, um, a church should be to the world, that, hey, we're going to love people in spite of their backgrounds, in spite of their baggage, in spite of their stuff. So, um, So that's really important for us to understand that and see that. Yeah, it is such a, a beautiful picture and an accurate picture of, of what marriage is supposed to be. Now, for those of you that are, are dating, you know, I would say you're not married. You're not married until your wedding day. Even if you're engaged, you are not married. You're not in covenant relationship yet. And so you have an out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have met so many men and women, so many, too many men and women that said, I knew that I wasn't supposed to marry them, and I did it anyways. And I know that they would tell you today, you have an out yeah. um, leading up to that day. And, um, and you know, the thing is, is that um, I firmly believe that marriage problems really aren't totally marriage problems. They are single people problems that are brought into the marriage. Yeah. They are individual issues, things that aren't dealt with prior to marriage, things that have lied dormant, that we've shoved under the rug, that we haven't submitted to God. We bring those into marriage thinking this other person will make me whole and complete, and yet those things will come out because so much of marriage is kind of dying to self and being selfless, and Mm -hmm. we don't want to do that. And so when it gets hard, um, those things come out like a pressure cooker. And um, and so that's why it's so important for those of you that are single, that that are not married um, specifically, that you are pursuing Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you are becoming a whole person without another person, that you are getting free in every area of your life. Those of you that are married, it's continuing to pursue Jesus individually with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's this saying that, you know, um, praying couples stay together. You know, it's a couple that prays together that stays together. While while that's true, um, the, the part I want to refute is that the most important thing is that you're pursuing Christ individually because it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and your spouse's faith cannot carry you. you when you come before Jesus Christ one day, he will yep. not say, um, so uh, let's see, your wife's faith, man, they really got you here. It's not 
that's not what it's going to be. It's going to yeah. be, um, how did you live out your faith? Yeah. You know, is, was your life submitted to me? You're going to answer for yourself. And so that's what, why we need to be surrendering our lives to Jesus in every way and pursuing him in every way. Um, if you are dating and, um, and we're going to get to this Q&A now um, that came up, but why is it important to date someone who is also a Christian? And, um, and then what does equally yoked mean? I'll let you kind of explain that because I think it goes along with okay. what I'm talking you about. Okay, you mean jump into both of those? Yeah. Okay, um, so this, this goes back a little bit to what we talked about last week. There was a passage we talked about last week uh, from Amos 3.3. 3. It says, uh, how come two people walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? And too many times, unfortunately, what I see is there's a shortage of goodly, uh, goodly, goodly too, godly single men in our world. Um, men that are legitimately godly, that are, are pursuing Christ. And so what happens is there's a lot of godly women who will settle for something less. Because uh, they will go, well, this guy is good looking, or this guy could be a provider, or this guy is nice, or whatever it is. And they might check off a bunch of boxes, but the box they don't check off is godly, loves Jesus. And, um, and so no matter how nice they are, if their foundation isn't on Christ, you're going to be pulled away from your affection for Christ at some point. And so this, this passage, uh, uh, this term unequally yoked or equally yoked, um, it comes from this idea that um, in, in the ancient world, even in the world today, you'll still find it in some places, there's this wooden beam that would a- attach two animals together to pull a load. And um, it, would, uh, it would make their work more effective. But it was ineffective if you would yoke two different kinds of animals together. So you would never yoke a, a mule and an ox together because their temperament was different, their strength was different. It would cause problems. You'd have to yoke two animals together that were similar size uh, and similar strengths because then it makes it easier to do the work. You couldn't do it otherwise. And so when they use this 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 language, they understood very well, hey, if you're going to be yoked together with someone for life, you have to be yoked together with someone who's pulling in the same direction as you are, um, that, that they have the same goal and same vision and same dreams for their life. And it might not be identical, but how can two walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? And the reality is, this is the thing, if you're dating a guy who's got his flaws and baggage and issues, ladies, I want to help you with this, marriage is not going to fix it. Like, it's magically not going to go away on your wedding day. Like, oh, he's somewhat verbally abusive to me. But other than that, he's really great. Well, that's not going to go away on your wedding day. It's not going to get better magically. Um, If he doesn't love Jesus now, don't count on him loving Jesus more after you get married. If you're not willing to marry somebody for who they are right now, then um, then don't plan that you're going to fix them. And I know a lot of women, they love they, they love fix-it projects when it comes to men. Just avoid that. They love a fixer-upper. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, you've got some to add to that, I believe. Well, and, and I would say the same goes. Godly men can be unequally yoked to a Absolutely. ungodly woman. And so it's the same, same deal. But, yeah, I just, um, you know, I think that... It's such dangerous ground to missionary date is what we call yeah, it. when we were youth pastors. Now, you may know people who, man, they led their boyfriend or girlfriend to Christ. And those 
but those are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, I have seen it way more predominant where the unbeliever pulls the believer away. And, um, and they steer them wrong or they begin to compromise their morals and their values and their convictions um, in the relationship. But that happens way more often. Yeah. I've also seen, seen situations where um, a, like my aunt early on when she was a lot younger um, dated a guy who was not a believer. Um, she, she told him, like, you can't, we can't get married unless you are a believer. He um, gave him, he gave his li- he converted and gave his life to Jesus uh, right after they got married. So let me preface this by saying he gave his life to Jesus, but there was no fruit. There was no fruit to show it. Um, but they got married, and almost instantly after they got married, he quit going to church, and he just blatantly and started um, cheating on her and all of these crazy things were happening. And he admitted to her, he only told her that he gave his life to Jesus so that she would marry him. Um, So those things happen, not all the time, but those things do happen. And so it's important to, to know that you're, you're, um, the person that you're in relationship with has fruit, that they are walking their walk with Jesus on their own without you, that if you walked away from the relationship, they wouldn't leave the faith. Yeah. Um, that's a good, a good telltale sign. And so, um, man, it's just so much. Relationships are difficult, period. But when you are not equally yoked, when you are not in tandem spiritually, infinitely harder. Yeah. And any person in this room that's walking this out would be able to tell you the same thing. Well, one of the original, one of the original places we see this idea is when the ch- children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, out of slavery. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they were going into the promised land. And when they go into the promised land, God gives them very clear instructions. Do not intermarry. Like, it, it, don't be unequally yoked, is what he's saying. So don't intermarry with unbelievers. And it wasn't that God was trying to prevent them from being happy, because um, a lot of times that's our excuse, like, well, I know what the Bible says, but I know God would want me to be happy, so. And it's like, no, 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 no. God's primary goal for you is not to be happy. God's primary goal for you is to be his child and be in relationship and be on purpose and mission with him. Anyway, and so, so he tells them, don't intermarry because if you do, you're gonna lose your faith. You're gonna be pulled to their gods. And, and what we see here is this, he doesn't spell it out explicitly, but there's this hierarchy for us where we understand, just like I said a minute ago, our, our top affection has to be Christ. Uh, and God says, he won't be your top affection if you intermarry with unbelievers because you're gonna be pulled toward their gods. So our top affection has to be Christ, then our spouse below that, then everything else. Um, And and God makes that very clear to us there. And so that's the importance because God says, I would rather you not marry and love me and be in relationship with me than marry and be out of relationship. The, the, The highest good is to be in relationship with Christ. So that he kind of lays that out. Yeah, absolutely. I started preaching there for a second. You did. Woo. (laughs) 
Yeah, God's not on mission to control us. Yeah. It's not what he wants. He wants us to love us willingly. Uh, God, God um, is more concerned about our eternity than he is about our here and now. Yeah. Um, and he gives us these beautiful, wonderful gifts and the relationships he gives us. But what, what really matters to him is our eternity. And, um, and so we have to guard our hearts. We have yeah. to make him our main priority and main focus in everything that we do. So we've got some more questions, and we don't really have time for them. Yeah, well, you want to try to we can do, do those like this week sometime? A Facebook video or something. Yeah, this yeah. week we'll jump on social media. We'll do something and uh, share some of those with you, follow up to some of this. And I would encourage you guys, um, if, if maybe you're here without your spouse, um, and not in, a, not in a condescending way, like you need to watch this, but if, if, if you're able to watch this with your spouse, watch it with your spouse later and talk about it. And hey, what are the areas I need to get better at? And what are the things we can do better as a couple? Um, talk through this stuff together. Um, uh, you know, if there are friends that, you, that are struggling in their marriage, um, maybe send them a link to this and let them see it and, and start praying about it. Okay, what do I need to do different? Um, and I would encourage you guys to do that. And we kind of talked about this, but... But really, the, the big idea for today is that if you want your marriage to be healthy, the most important thing you can do is submit your heart to Christ, is pursue him with everything you are. And, and when you do, it's amazing how we discover our spouse. And, and you know, I, we didn't really talk about this in this service, but um, I tell couples all the time, we try to fix this. Well, she's and he's and I can't believe and how do we get closer together because our marriage is a mess. And it's like, well, sometimes the answer is not to figure out how do we bridge this gap, because maybe the gap is big. So maybe the question is, how do I grow closer to Christ? Because no matter where you're at in space, if you are pursuing one point at the same time, you're going to grow closer together. So my wife and I, we might not be able to bridge this gap, but if we turn and pursue Christ, we're going to grow closer together um, by default. And, and it's a simple illustration, but I would encourage you, um, maybe you're in a, in a difficult marriage, maybe you're in a season where you're thinking maybe we should give up, and I want to encourage you, don't give up. Submit your heart to Christ, pursue God, and as you're pursuing God, you're going to find your spouse, if they're in pursuit too. Well, guys, thank you for, for being here today. Um, thank you guys for watching with us from Blairsville. I want to turn it over to our hosts there. They're going to close out the rest of this message and give you a chance to respond. But as always, guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know, and we are so glad that we get to be your pastors. God bless you, and have a good day. Thank you, baby. Well, guys, I hope today um, nobody leaves here with any kind of condemnation or guilt in your heart. None of you feel like you've been crushed because that's not the goal at all. Our goal is to help you. Our goal is to help you see that never, no marriage is perfect, that all marriage needs help and work. And the help that we really need starts with God. And it sounds like such a cliche for me to stand up here and say, love Jesus more and your marriage will get better. But it's true. If you love Jesus more, if you pursue him, it's amazing how your relationships get, get better all around you. So I wanna encourage you. Uh, you can't control what your spouse does. You can't control what your boyfriend or girlfriend does. But you can control what you do. You can control your heart. You can control your attitude. So no matter what, I would encourage you today to, to start with you. Instead of saying, this is what they need to fix, start with you and go, okay, God, my heart's fully submitted to you. What do you want to change in me? Uh, what attitudes, what ideas have been wrong in my heart? God, begin to shift that so that I can bring you glory in our relationship. 
all comes back to our relationship with Jesus. So if you're here, maybe you're not in a relationship with Christ, I wanna give you that opportunity today to, to respond and to make him Lord of your life, to surrender your life to his lordship and his kingship. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all of this place. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you. But God, you want us to have an abundant life and that abundant life is not just in heaven someday, but I believe it's here on earth today. And, and part of that abundant life is being in healthy relationships with the people around us. So God, I pray right now for every every dating relationship that's represented in this room, God. I pray that you would bring a godly focus to those people that are, that are dating someone. I pray that you would help them have their top affection be you and that everything else falls below that. So Lord, I pray if there are, are dating relationships represented in this room that, that aren't glorifying you, that aren't submitted to you fully and wholly, God, I pray that you would either shift them or, or cut them off. In your, in your name, have your way in those dating relationships. God, I pray for marriages, Lord, that are hurting, that are struggling. Lord, I pray that you begin to minister in them. But God, I pray that you begin with, with me, God. Begin with the individual. Let us submit our hearts fully to you. And as we do, God, I pray that we would see healing and restoration in marriages and wholeness. So God, have your way with us. Speak into us. If there are things in me that need to change, show me. Lord, let your Holy Spirit gently draw us to you. God, have your way in us today. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. If you would acknowledge, if you'd say to me, Mel, you know what? I know that some of my, my relationships are a mess because my relationship with God is a mess. My, my relationship with people can't be as healthy as it needs to be because my relationship with God is not healthy. So I wanna surrender my life to Christ today. I wanna make sure my relationship with Christ is healthy first and foremost. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you. And so if you're here and you'd say, Mel, pray for me. I wanna make sure my relationship with Christ is healthy. I wanna commit my life to him or recommit my life to him today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. I see you, the center section, yeah. Several hands on my right. Thank you over there. Thank you on my left. I see you. Praise God. Who else? Yeah, I see you on my left. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. You say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I see you up there. Okay. The book of Romans tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so what I'd like to do is I wanna lead you in a really simple prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer out loud, but I don't want you to repeat it mindlessly. I want you to repeat it from your heart. So say this out loud, but mean it from the core of your being. So pray this prayer with me out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, I repent of my sins and I turn towards you. Use my life and my relationships for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, the word of God tells us that you're a new creation today. So if you prayed that prayer, the word of God tells us the old is gone and the new has come. And we would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey, in your growth. 
And so the simplest thing for you to do would be to take the card out of the seat back in front of you and uh, you can fill it out and take it to the information center in the lobby. Or if you'd like, if you're here in the room or watching online, you can simply text the word Summit PA to the number 94000. And when you do that, we're gonna respond back to you. You can select the, the, um, the, the line that says um, salvation, the prompt there, let us know. And we're gonna respond back to you. We're gonna help get you connected to a group of people. They're gonna help you grow in your faith, relationships and resources. That's what it's all about. Uh, we've got a group called Starting Point that is for people specifically that are new to their faith or returning to their faith. And we would love to get you connected with that. It's a great group that's gonna help you grow. So please take advantage of that. Help us help you. Um, here's what's gonna happen now. I'm gonna pray a final prayer of blessing over us as we're dismissed. And while I'm doing that, some of our pastors and some of our prayer team, they're gonna join me here at the front of this room. And if you'd like prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it may be, uh, I would encourage you as we're being dismissed in a moment, make your way to the front of the room and let our team pray with you before you go. And I especially wanna encourage you, if you're here today and you're struggling in a relationship, maybe it's with a parent or a child or your spouse or a dating relationship, I would encourage you, let us pray with you before we go. We would be honored uh, to pray with you about your situation, no matter what it may be. So let us know. Let me pray for you while the team joins me. God, thanks so much for what you've done in this place. Thank you for people who've said yes to you. Thank you for people who've recommitted their lives to you. God, we celebrate with heaven in that. So God, I pray as we leave this place today, we would walk out of here um, reflecting your glory. And I pray that our relationships would, would reflect your glory to this world. So Lord, I pray that you'd minister in and through us, that we would make you our top affection. And as we do, as we pursue you, we're gonna find healthy relationships all around us. So God, be glorified in and through us. And I pray that people around us this week would see your goodness at work in and through us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. God bless you and have an awesome week.